Good day and welcome to the Effect Podcast, episode 159. Are you experienced? Take two. I'm Dave. And I'm Matthew, and we have a packed programme, as usual, for you uh, today. We should probably stop saying we're, we've got a packed programme, because we've said it on 159 episodes, and so I think people know... I don't know. I, I, I think, I think in some of the early episodes we said, uh, I don't know what we're talking about. No, we always knew what we were talking about. <sighs> yeah, we've, we're never going to say, hello and welcome to the show. We've got bugger all to talk about today, so um, see you later. <laughs> We almost did a couple of weeks ago, but let's 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 move on quickly. Anyway, yes. uh, we're not going to be we're not going to be saying thank you to any new patrons because we haven't had any new patrons, Dave, <laughs> and it's your fault. <laughs> oh, no new patrons. This is no, it's your fault um, because last episode so, you said you said we never have an episode without some new patrons, and so naturally enough, you've now jinxed us. This is we're over. Yes. Effect is over because of that. We're going to lose all our lovely patrons. We're going to be destitute. In a year's time, you'll find us sitting in the gutter drinking some cheap gin out of a brown paper bag. Listen, if 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 our our, our patrons are lovely, but they if are. the money they donated to the podcast is the one thing stopping us from sitting in the gutter drinking gin, <laughs> then, <laughs> then it's not enough money, mate. Well, I, I was just thinking that, that there probably has been a time in the past where we have been sat in the gutter drinking something. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's move swiftly on. Uh, so uh, we'll get straight into the world of gaming shortly. Um, and there's some little bits of news. There's no major news, I think, really this time. But there's a few interesting things we want to point you to. And of course, there is UK Games Expo coming up. Indeed. And this may be the first in-person convention. Well, it's definitely the first in-person convention that I would have been to in over a year and a half. 18 months. And people may want to come to that. People may also not want to come, but um, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, yeah. And then we thought, we've been promising this a couple of weeks. We keep getting to the end of the programme and saying, oh, we haven't got time to talk about this. Mm-hmm. But we just wanted to put some encouraging words out there for people thinking about getting into actual published writing. So we'll talk a bit about that and then um as we promised last time we are going to look in detail at the experience questions that you ask when playing alien but particularly in the campaign context indeed now uh dave and i both have i think probably slightly different ideas so we are going to have a duel of the battling homeworks we're each going to present an essay (laughs) And then we're going to decide who's the winner. Obviously, it'll be me. And and then that will be the end of the program, Dave. It will. And it will be. Except um, what at the end of the program we normally say what we're talking about next time, and I actually have no idea. No, I've got no idea either. But let, should we worry about that after we've talked? Let's this worry time? about that at the end of the program. It's <laughs> yeah. at least an hour away. Yes, indeed. Knowing what we're like. Okay, um, world of gaming. What did you want to talk about in that today, Matt? So, uh, Dave, I, I, you know, I know that you've been heavily involved in the design and production of Twilight 2000 and that it's one of your favourite games in the Free League line. And I noticed a little announcement, I think it was yesterday, uh, that it's up for pre-order. <laughs> so, 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 can you tell us all about that, Dave? So, yes, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm as much uh, sort of front and centre Twilight 2000 as you are, Matthew. And thanks for the little... Hold on. Thanks, thanks, you thanks for the little trap. Least... I'd just like to point out, before recording, 
we had a little conversation and we both agreed that actually, you know, we're both kind of equally, uh, you know, au fait with Twilight 2000. But Matthew, in his inimitable way, wanted just to stitch me up on the show and uh, throw me under the bus, as it were. Um, so, so yes, I my my enormous contribution to Twilight 2000 was about 600 words. <laughs> hotly contested, and, uh, uh, hotly contested, and argued it's, it's over 600 words. Six hundred controversial that. words, uh, Dave. I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, sort of like segueing forward to our conversation about um, getting involved in, uh, in in writing and publishing. Um, my, my number one bit of advice. Oh, well, I was, was going to say, don't don't do it for Twilight Two Thousand, but just just be aware of your audience when you are writing something, <laughs> and be ready for um, the the lovely and and deep audience participation in uh, in your product. Um, yes, um, so uh, yeah, Twilight Two Thousand. So uh, the 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 the, sh- the copies, the the printed copies are shipping to backers now. I haven't had mine yet. Um, but I think, did you say it's been opened up for um, for retail? Uh, Is it no, no, it's opened up for pre-order, not retail. So I don't think we're going to get printed, printed copies in the warehouses until after UK Games Expo, because I think initially they were hoping that we might be selling it at UK Games Expo, and then they said, no, we're not. Yeah. So um, so it's going to be, and the UK Games Expo is the beginning of August. So I imagine print copies will be arriving sometime after the beginning of August in warehouses, and then there'll be distribution. Mm. But uh, anybody who didn't back it on Kickstarter can pre-order it now, if they so desire, on the Free League Workshop site, and we will give you a link in the show notes. Mm. I am looking forward to getting it in my hands. I, I, I'm, we've said this before, I'm very much a, a physical book person rather than a pdf person and although i've had the pdfs you know obviously as long as anybody the um i've only really glanced through them because i don't like reading through stuff on pdf i need to sit down with a cup of coffee in a nice comfy chair with a nice smelling smelling book um rather than looking at a screen personally yeah i mean i i have managed to read a pdf kind of from beginning to end and that was for forbidden lands mm. But very rarely do I, do I, you know, sort of um, sit yeah, down and read. I do it. I, I just don't enjoy it in the same way that I enjoy sitting no. down with a physical book, which is much more part of the experience for me. Maybe I'm just old. And I'm not massively excited about the whole premise of Twilight 2000, but one of the weird things that, I, that does excite me is going to be the little cardboard counters that you get in the box. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... I which, so I... I I, I am really interested in the premise for Twilight 2000. I I think maybe I'm... I, I would quite like to run a slightly different thing. Um, maybe like a Walking Dead campaign or something, rather than a, a, a traditional Twilight 2000 campaign. And then actually all that background that everybody argues over is is yeah. kind of kind of kind of irrelevant. I did watch a video. Yes. There's, there's a guy called Jane, James Langham, I think his name is, or James Langman. Who's put up? Who's been a very, very um, uh, forward-leaning contributor, um, and yeah, and a good one, you know, in the right kind of way. And he put up a couple of videos talking about some of the stuff in um, Fourth Edition Twilight Two Thousand, which are actually um, pretty, pretty good. Actually, they're quite insightful, and it's not normally the kind of video I'd watch. But I watched the, I watched one of them, and then I saw uh, 
kind of a week later, he had to do a response to all the comments video because <laughs> there was obviously a load of flaming about what he was saying, um, including somebody saying, well, of course you're going to bloody like it. Your name's in the credits. And he didn't, <laughs> he didn't even know his name was in the credits. Free League put him in so- for some of the contributions he'd done on Facebook, I think. Um, ah. And he hadn't even realised that they'd given him given him that acknowledgement. And he was like, "Am yeah, I?" But- <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. We ought to link to that. Can you, if you can send me a link to that in the uh, when your emails when working, my when my internet's back up? Yeah, uh, send me a link to that, and I'll add that uh, a link to that video in the show notes. Do you think we should get him in as a player in the Hamam? That might be a really good idea, actually. Yeah, because he obviously knows what he's talking about. He obviously knows a lot about sort of military history and stuff. Cool. Um, and it's not like we have anybody among our patrons who's really into this, I, uh, you know, or that particular game. No, certainly, it? certainly not. Who's got any kind of insight that you know nobody, yeah. anybody else could, yeah. could have? So um, it would be good to get somebody with some real insight in to talk about Twilight Two Thousand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, tipping a great big wink to our colleague uh, Andy. There. Andy, Andy um, just loves it when we involve him in the show, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, moving uh, swiftly on, uh, the, enough Twilight 2000. Uh, this this is going to be of interest to me and a tiny and part of our audience. Um, but uh, uh, if you're a regular listener, you will know that I'm a fan of RuneQuest and Glorantha. And um, we had a potted history, actually. We have to come back to uh, Andy, who, who ruined RuneQuest for me by, um, <laughs> by not playing it in, in, in Glorantha <laughs> yeah. uh, when we were at school. Um and, and for years, I've been wanting to play in Glorantha. And one of the things that happened really kind of in our slight dark ages when we really weren't getting to play very often and we were living in Brighton, a game came out called Hero Wars. And it was by Robin Laws, who's one of my favourite authors, and Greg Stafford. Mm. And it was kind of the new system for for playing games in Glorantha. It wasn't great, to be honest. <laughs> um I bought the books. I never played them. Anyway, it developed and it became better. And also uh, it became Hero Quest, which was a brand that has uh, had a few homes, but it was uh, taken over by uh, Greg Stafford and um, it was very enjoyable. Um, And that grew into a way of playing in Glorantha while... RuneQuest itself was kind of in the doldrums a little bit. Then, um, uh, long story short... Uh, <laughs> if only, uh, a group if only of fans, it was. If only it was long story short, Matt. Come on. Get to the, get to the a point. A group of fans basically <laughs> uh, bought out uh, Chaosium and revitalised uh, RuneQuest. And now there's a lovely new edition of RuneQuest, which I'm playing in a campaign with um, one of the great... Um, masters uh fan masters i should say of of glorantha and i'm having great fun uh yabu sucks to you andy he's a better gm um <laughs> and, maybe, maybe uh, hang on Matt, we're, Matt, we're gonna Matt, lose a patron on. this way i was we? gonna say maybe maybe we should just stop using these shows as a vehicle to remotely bully andy and <laughs> um you maybe, know. maybe we should yeah um We'll we'll consider that. Let, let let's let, let's make that a topic for the next episode, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so I'm, I'm playing in that. But but while so they, they've had RuneQuest back, they've um, invented a new version of RuneQuest. But HeroQuest has still been bumbling along, and it's got its fans. It's a very much a very narrative game, very different from the kind of 
a very dice rolly simulationist game that RuneQuest um, is in that direction. However, there's money to be made in the HeroQuest game name, I should say. And so last year, Chaosium sold HeroQuest back to Milton Bradley and they're bringing out a fabulous new edition or other Hasbro are bringing out a fabulous new edition of the HeroQuest board game. That does mean that any products branded HeroQuest have had until now where they could be sold. They've got one more month of being sold. So if you want to pick up some old, um, particularly if you're into Glorantha, there's a bunch of Gloranthum books with HeroQuest in the title or, or slapped on somewhere on the cover that have got to be pulped after um, about a month from now. Mm -hmm. So if you want to pick up some cheap deals on that or any of the PDFs or whatever from Joy Through, now is the time to do it because HeroQuest is disappearing from Chaosium's store cupboard. The system isn't. I think the system is going to be called um, Quest Worlds and it will carry on as a kind of generic system with all sorts of things going on. But all the HeroQuest branded stuff is going. Cool. And if, that um, was, and if that was a short version, I'd hate to think what the long version was. Okay, okay. Look, we've got an hour to film, mate. Uh, we, we don't normally I've have got some other news. Have you got any other news, or have you just not been keeping your ear to the ground as usual, Dave? <laughs> I know. I let my I let my minions do that, Matthew. So you can carry on. Okay, right. <laughs> well, again, this is this is stuff of particular interest to me. So. A few months ago, I had a little bit of extra uh, drive-through cash or credit or something, and I bought a PDF of a magazine that was kickstarted last year called Weird Science. Weird with a Y. Um, it's a great little magazine, very nicely designed, um, very nice to... Well, I imagine, I haven't had a paper copy, but the paper copy I think would be lovely to hold in your hand. PDF's great, witty writing, uh, systemless. It's all about all sorts of stuff to do with role playing. Uh, anyway, issue two is coming out of this magazine and it's kickstarting right now. We'll put a link in the show notes. Mm. Cool. Short enough for you, Dave? That was very concise. I'm um, so concise, you didn't really tell me anything about the content. Uh, it's all sorts <laughs> of content. All sorts of content by all sorts of lovely writers. Okay, cool. It's a real dip in and, um, and amuse yourself yeah. kind of magazine. Um, uh, hundreds of pages. <laughs> you used to get um, you used to get those as well, but they used to be on the top shelf. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that sort of content. Sorry, my, it's my, absolutely my, it's, not that sort of content. It's too early in the morning, and I've only had two cups of coffee, and my internet doesn't work, so I'm kind of a bit delirious at the moment. Uh, I've, anyway. I've been out for a walk. I've been shopping. I've recorded a segment for this very episode. Well, I, I, would, have, have I would have gone for a walk. I was going to walk the dog before we started recording, but it's raining in fucking... Yeah, I went for a walk in the rain. Here. Yeah, but you then haven't got to dry off a 35-kilo dog who tries to run around the house. No, that is true. <laughs> I don't have to dry so off So I'd like to try and walk her when it's not pissing down like the world's about to end. Uh, okay. But, yeah. It's going to be pissing down all day. You've got to get out in the rain, mate. I know. I will After have to, this podcast. I will have to bite that bullet at some point, yeah. She needs her exercise. She does. That's for sure. And just a quick update on a couple of old Kickstarters. Um, yep. Wild by friend of the show, friends of the show, Dave Chapman and Stu produced Goff. by Stu yep. Goff. Uh, that's um, uh, slight glitch in printing, but that's uh, coming uh, 
back for the printers quite soon and will be distributed shortly. And Project Cassandra Excellent. is back from the printers. And friend of the show, Craig, is um, about to put them in the envelopes. Good man. And post them out to people. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, his, um, his, I say his customer service for Project Cassandra has been second to none. So when, so when some unnamed customer completely overlooked the, uh, the pledge email and was just blithely not doing but, what he needed to, he approached that customer directly to say, yeah. would you like to fill out the, the pledge and we can, we can complete your order? Which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. If you that was guessed, you, Dave. That was me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he did kind of say, yes, there are some people who haven't done it and one of them's here. <laughs> That's me. Sorry. Yes. So yeah, looking forward to getting the um, uh, seeing those go out. Um, yeah, always great to get uh, get the hard copy. Um, oh, and, uh, and another little bit of news. I think I might be on a stream on Twitch called um, Band of Badgers next week. Oh, okay. On Tuesday. Oh, you know. Um, they want to have a chat with me about the Siren, the um, ah, introductory scenario for nice. Coriolis that I wrote, that they're going to be running shortly. So, um, oh, cool, I don't cool. know whether I, I, I will investigate whether that's actually going to be streamed or whether they just want to have a chat with me about it. Right. But there's a Zoom call booked in and all sorts of stuff there. Nice. So, uh, if it is yeah. going to be streamed, I'll put a link in the show notes. So, yeah, we first met them um, at the last, I think it was the last UK Games Expo we did. And exactly. They, they yes. came and introduced themselves. And, um, you know, a really nice bunch of guys. Uh, yeah, good to see that, um, uh, that their, 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 their show is doing really well. Cool. And, well, yeah. and really good that they're going to run the siren as well. So the siren is a, said before, is, a, is an excellent little scenario. Um, I think you should, you should write the, the first half of it. So people can play the whole well, thing. Well, what I what I promised is I said when it gets uh, copper and silver badges, I would produce supplements for it that mm. that, that include some of the other stuff uh, that we did, and then it got like copper in the first day. <laughs> yeah. So um, I put a little note on there saying, "Yeah, I will produce a supplement, but but I wasn't quite ready. I've got to I hadn't realised you were going to be so quick about it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, there will be some more stuff coming for it, which I think I'll do as separate documents. But you'll be able to download them if you've bought them already from um, uh, Thingy Bob. What's it called? Drive through. Drive through. Yeah. And it's a bargain price. It's only fifty p. <laughs> because um, because. Uh, uh, you've been paid to write it in the first place i got paid to write it anyway yeah, yeah. so no, it's a real bargain and it's on it's yeah we're plugging this now i'll put a link in the show notes yeah absolutely it's good and i say the the the, the scenario that you ran for us which which the siren is based on so you know the siren scenario is the kind of the second half of that longer scenario the first half of that scenario was equally as good and fun as the, as the second half so i think that would be great yeah, to, to allow in fact, like, other in, in many ways, to, more to fun because uh, you didn't have a frustrating, uh, I won't say, <laughs> a frustrating NPC to deal with. Indeed. Indeed. Well, frankly, it wasn't so much the NPC. It was the more the way the GM played it, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Especially at two o'clock yeah. in the morning when they're all really tired <laughs> and a bit drunk. And it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, we're never going to get away on this thing. Yes. But that, uh, I've got to say, um, uh, that I... I we, we we talk about this anecdote probably too often on this show. Yeah. But I, that that thing where the three of you were thinking we are totally unarmed in the middle of the desert, having just you know, crashed through the atmosphere, and here come some people about to beat us up. What are we going to do? First of all, we're going to pray. 
then we're going to bless this knife I've just, this shiv I've just made. <laughs> and, you know, you did everything right to get maximum game yeah. benefit and it paid off spectacularly. And then we're going to kick um, ass. Yeah, that was, I do remember yeah, that. Was, was that was brilliant. really good fun, yeah. And it's, and it's, and, you know, and it's I nice... had planned that you would get caught and taken to Salvage Town, but, you know, that's fine. Um, I, you know, I love <laughs> games like that where the GM is surprised and has to make stuff up on the fly. <laughs> It was good, and it was nice. It's nice to make a plan and have it actually work. <laughs> it's just yeah. not. It's not a common occurrence in our gaming. <laughs> yes. Now, shall we move on to UK Games Expo? Yes. Yes. So UK Games Expo is on. Is on at the moment. So, uh, and think unless something horrible. But it's comes... not on right now. It, it's no, still in... going to happen yeah. at the end of July, beginning of August. Yeah. Well, I think everybody knew what I meant. I'm not no. sure they did, Dave. Well, maybe, well, maybe you didn't, but then that says more about you than our listeners, who I think are probably slightly more intelligent than you are. Um, Ooh. <laughs> and me as well. Uh, so, yes, so UK Games Expo is still going ahead. Uh, unless anything horrible comes out of left field, um, I think you know, the, the organisers have said, yep, let's do it, which is brilliant. As you said, it's the weekend, which covers the end of July and the beginning of August. And... Matthew and I and uh, one other little helper, Matthew's son Tom, are going to be there representing Free League, running the Free League stand. Uh, we're going to go up there on the Thursday for the Thursday evening promo stuff. And can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be our first convention since Dragon Meet 2019. And that mm-hmm. was a long time ago. So it's going to be brilliant. Yep. Um, can't wait to, to, to get there for that. Yes, and it's uh, you know it's going to be. I I I have no idea what it's going to be like. We've only been to UK Games Expo once before, and that was massive. And I feel this is going to be smaller. It's going to be less crowded because they're going to you know. Um, uh, You're going to have to be careful over. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's lots of things that aren't happening. So I think uh, if you're planning on going, you can still volunteer to run games. John Dodd at UK Games Expo will be very keen to hear from you. But I think there'll be, you know, again, because there are spacing tables out, I think there'll be fewer tables running games, fewer spaces to do that. The big hotel where lots of games used to happen is actually closed for refurbishment. Uh, they decided to take advantage of COVID yeah. to do a big job on that. So, you know, the spaces are going to be different. Um, but it's, oh, God, seeing people face-to-face uh, will be great. Yeah. And I'd love to see as many listeners as we can. Absolutely. We've got a good, or Freely, we've got a great stand. We were rather um, at the back when we when we went there to promote Alien a couple of years back. Uh, we had, like, the last choice of stands, a uh, little one on the corner at the back. We're near the front this time. I was going to look up the um, address, but we'll put it in the show notes. Stand yeah, we'll, well, we'll tell people near the time as well what, what stand to come and find us on. But we're basically yeah. at one end, um, near the doors, the entrance doors, uh, one end of the big line, of a big line of stands. So it's, uh, you won't be able to miss us, let's put it that way. And you won't have to search no. to find us either. So it's going to be, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be great. Um, if, yeah. any, if anybody, we are... Um, we were planning to do a, a kind of more organised um, gathering of GMs, but with sort of concerns over pushing people together for um, for COVID, 
decided not to do anything formally. But if you're a GM and you want to sign up to play Alien, um, as I said, get in touch with John Dodd, uh, UK Games Expo, get your slot sorted out. And if you want it, we can forward to you um, Olenia Bay, which we've already passed a few uh, a few gamers in the States who are going to run that at conventions. So if you wanted to run Olenia Bay, which is a game I wrote for Essen last year and ran online, then sign up with John Dodd and UK Games Expo for your GMing slot and uh, give me a shout at dave at effectpodcast.org and I will forward you the scenario. And that's a great scenario. It's uh, really lovely. Uh, features um, features the UPP, who are the best faction in all of the Alien universe. And um, yeah, it's a great adventure. Uh, and, and very, very convention playable, I would say, as well. Cool. So yes, looking and forward obviously, to that. Um, uh, I'm not going to give you any adventures for free if you want to play Coriolis, but you can download them for only 50p from drive through RPG. Well, download download uh, it, you mean, rather than them. Download it or or somewhere in December, my Vason scenario is specially designed for conventions. <laughs> okay. Let's, That's let's, more let's, expensive. Let's move on from the sales part of the programme to... Uh... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do we have anything else for the yeah, world let's, of uh, Let's also remember that if you're playing Coriolis, you'll definitely need the... Coriolis Planetarium, the Mirren Chain from Dave. That's very true. And the Coriolis yeah. Calendar, which you, had a yeah. lovely review um, only last month. So uh, go and buy those things. Links in the show notes. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yes. Also, you might want to, to pick up something about trade in the Third Horizon as well, which um, which would be really useful for any any scenario in, in, in the Coriolis universe. Yeah, useful stuff. And one of that. that. That's all our products. We ought to put a page together with some covers on. Yeah. And just put it on the social media like an advert. That's a good idea. Well, exactly like an advert because well, it would be an it advert. It would be an advert. <laughs> yeah. This is a nice kind of segue, though. And you know how good I am at segues, Dave. We were talking about getting started in industry, and this is our start in the industry. All these things here. Some time ago, somebody posted uh, a, a friend of ours, in fact, who's been on the show uh, before, Chris. Chris. Chris from Darker Days Radio posted on his Facebook page. Yes. If you had told me when I was 16 that I would be writing for Warhammer uh, 40K, I wouldn't have believed myself. Yeah. And um, you know what? I think we could have said the same things. I mean, we're a lot older than him. It's taken us a lot longer to get <laughs> where we are. And, you know, we're not writing for Warhammer 40K. So, you know, we're just babies compared to him. Uh we're just writing for like a niche game that nobody knows. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I, the I, I felt very much um, about that, that even when we were 16, if we'd just had the chutzpah, I reckon we could have been writing for games, but, mm. but imposter syndrome or whatever us off even trying to do it um so we thought we might talk a little bit about that and encourage people to get their words out absolutely into print or onto pdf um and and shared because that's the way if you want if you want to you know get your name in print the way to do it is just be confident in yourself yeah absolutely so i think yeah i think going back to to the mid 80s uh, is is a really good start because obviously we were doing a lot of stuff 
Uh, we were going to Games Day every year back in the day. We then, uh, for one year, we had our own our own club stand where we ran um, uh, my game. What was it called? Oh, Ooh, your Judge Dread game. Harvester six 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 was that the name of it? I think it probably was something I'm like that. It on my shelves because I've got but it. But it's here, yeah. Um, no, here it is. First issue, 666. It's just called 666. Right. Not Harvester 666. 666 by D.A.C. Mark. That's me. Whoever he was. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so we were doing it. And, and that, that scenario, we ran it a few times. Um, we sold every copy of our little fanzine that had the scenario in it. Um, only because I begged people to buy it from us. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, either, either. they still parted with cashy money to take it. So, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah be they a good did, sign. yeah. So, so, you know, why, you know, why didn't that turn into, you know, a, a, you know, a desire that then to do it? And I think I, I have a, I have a, I have a theory and I think. What's was, your theory, Dave? Well, I think it was a, a kind of a, a monumental lack of vision in that, <laughs> in that it just never occurred to me that it was an option. It never occurred yeah, to me. Yeah, you mean a serious never, option? It never uh, occurred that, to me that I could try and break into that kind of industry and actually make some money and make a career out of writing that stuff. It didn't occur to me for a second. You know, I went off to no. university. I then got a job. I then got into a career. Um, it was only really, well, I guess it was only really when Free League started asking us to write stuff for Alien for UK Games Expo that time that the. Well, no, actually, I mean, having said that, so... No, it think, wasn't then, because it wasn't then. I had, I remember that conversation we yeah. had when we started this podcast, where it was you earlier. said, yes, yeah. we can start a podcast, and then I can give up my job and start writing for RPGs. Slightly yeah. longer chain of events, but that was kind of where you were going. But I did, yeah, absolutely. I, did, I mentioned on the podcast before, I, I had this fantasy trajectory, you know, where we would start the podcast, it would do well, we'd meet the Freely guys, we'd become mates... They would ask us to do some stuff for them. We'd start writing. We'd start getting paid for it. I then give up my day job and work for uh, you know full time on gaming. And shockingly, and with you know with 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 a surprise at every step, each one of those I've been hitting all those milestones on that trajectory. Um, uh, you know, without I don't know, it's just just kind of happened. And it's um, but you were doing that in your fifties, and you're saying that if you had that ambition in your teens, in the eighties, you could have made it work then as well. Exactly, exactly. It was yeah. it was for just for want of trying, I think really, and wanting a want of kind of even thinking about what would be the the way of doing that. So I think people nowadays have got a much easier doorway into the market. It's obviously a lot easier now than it would have been then, but. Just, just yeah, a, a bit of insight and a bit of thought about okay, what would be my options for trying to get into the market? And it wouldn't have been that hard to find, find some, and then just start knocking on doors and asking, um, and yes. show, showing people and my work or you know, our work. <clears throat> as an anecdote, uh, anecdotal evidence of that, I want to bring up the story of um, Reed Hoffman. You do you know Reed Hoffman's name? Um, no. Well, if you look at the early uh, uh, campaign for RuneQuest, uh, Hoffman is listed among the uh, the authors, including Perrin and Peterson and um, yep. uh, Stafford, 
of that campaign, Hoffman knocked on the door at Chaosium when he was 12 years old <laughs> with a with a with a kind of um with all his notes for what he felt was wrong with um uh RuneQuest and how he'd fixed it and stuff like that and they blooming gave him a job back then <laughs> yeah uh, and and that campaign uh, with his name on was published when he was 14 I mean, he was obviously a bit of a genius because he then went on to found LinkedIn and he's now a billionaire. So he didn't become a billionaire <laughs> okay. from writing for, um, for RuneQuest. Yeah. But, he, you know, it's evidence of having the gumption to go and knock on the door yeah. is kind of all you need. And we're all of us played with self-doubt. I mean, I think when I imagined the people writing these games, I imagined them as considerably older than us when we were teenagers. And actually, I don't think they were. No. One of the key no. points. Now, I think that's a really um, good example. There are other examples. So, um, Ricard and Troyer is a good example with Free League, where he was mm -hmm. a fan on the forums when they first met him. And he was saying lots of stuff uh, that he thought was uh, opportunities and options and things that could be better. And I, I remember them when we saw them that time in Sweden back in what 2017, saying that mm -hmm. yeah, it, and you know he was he was pretty good. He, he obviously knew what he was talking about, and then he just made such a lot of noise that we thought, okay, let's shut him up and make him do some of it. <laughs> and here he is now, you know, working for them as a you know for for Coriolis and doing all the uh, emissary lost and mercy of the icons. And and the other one I would, I'd mention is I was chatting to James Spahn the other day. Now James is a freelancer who's been working on the One Ring. And, mm -hmm. and he said he's been a freelancer for 10, 12, 14 years. Um, and his one bit of advice to me as a as a noob was just ask. Just knock on the door and ask. And he said he's got mm -hmm. all of his jobs through just asking um, and putting himself in the line of fire to get to get a job. And uh, it's great. It's great advice. You know, the more times you ask, yeah. the, the higher the chances are of somebody saying yes. And I think once you start to yes. build a bit of a reputation as well, then the chances of people saying yes start to go up. So it's uh... and I think you should uh, we should counterbalance that with saying there will be a lot of people. You know, the first person you ask is unlikely to say yes, and there's a lot of people who are going to say no. Either yeah, no, we you know we haven't got any money to pay freelancers at the moment. We're doing it all ourselves, or um, no, we've got a great big backlog of stuff that we've got to get out before we start commissioning new material or there are all sorts of ways more, of saying no or more likely which aren't might necessarily be, personal criticisms no absolutely um, or more or more or, you know perhaps more likely is just deafening silence um yes as, as i received when i put forward a pitch for delta green bastards <laughs> i didn't even get a thank you for your for your 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 inquiry fuck you <laughs> all the best so yeah, but you know, that's, that's interesting but that's fine so you know you have to accept yeah. that it's not a problem um, and as you say, it's not a personal criticism of your quality or, or your worth as a writer. It's just, you know, there's, there's going to be so many reasons, um, that are going to come up long before they get to scrutinizing what you've actually written, um, that might kibosh your, your request. Yeah. So and being, and being sometimes if you, if you're really lucky, they'll say no, and they'll offer some feedback on what you've produced. Yeah. Don't take that feedback as a personal insult. You know, they'll say, oh, you know, this is uh, great in these parts, but you could do this, this, or this sort of thing. You know, that isn't a criticism. Well, it is a, it's, it precisely is a criticism of your work, not of you. And, you know, take that on board because 
you know, the, 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 they're offering ways you can change it and make it a more attractive project, uh, product, yeah, and, I should say. Yeah, and, even, and it's even, worth even, listening. And even the best writer uh, or best game designer isn't perfect. So nothing is yeah. going to be perfect. And you would always be able to improve something. It's the same with any kind of art form. You know, in theory, that bit of art, that book or that painting or that game is never actually finished because you could go on developing it and honing it and fine-tuning it forever. Um, but, you know, you have to have a point where you, you draw the line and you say, okay, this is, this is it, and this is, this is as far as it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, so- it, and it's making me think uh, that, you know, you can fire off and not, you know, and let's face it, even our friends at Free League aren't necessarily great at answering emails. <laughs> so if you don't get a reply at all, Again, don't take that as personal criticism. You know, maybe that wasn't whatever you sent them wasn't wasn't the right thing, but uh, but don't let that put you off. Carry no, on doing absolutely. it. Absolutely, no, absolutely. And I think as well, you know, there's so many people producing this stuff. There are so many games and IPs you could be writing for. So do the stuff you really enjoy doing. Yeah. And 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 but but kind of do a scattergun approach. You know, write a thing. Send it off to Free League, write another thing, send it off to um, the guys behind the 2000 AD game uh, or whatever. Just keep sending them off and you mm. know, eventually things will come back. Um, yeah. And again, I think this is a pertinent point. Um, I think sometimes, and I, I grew up uh, in a weird, uh, slightly schizophrenic attitude because I went to art college and... Uh, it, lots of art students have two competing worries. One is my work isn't good enough. Nobody will want to see it or publish it or anything. And the other one is people are going to steal my ideas. Mm. <laughs> In which case you're kind of saying, well, your work is good enough if people are going to steal it. <laughs> There's not massive amounts of money to be made in this. Um, I don't think you need to be protective of the work you send off. Um, the very worst thing that can happen is somebody you know, takes a really clever idea out of one of your adventures and you read another adventure after they rejected yours with your idea in it. But at least then you've got the competitors are saying, that was my idea. Mm. Um, and you wouldn't have got much money for it anyway. So don't, don't hoard your best ideas. Share them. Because actually, lots of people in this industry are really, really honest. And they, you know, and we're a very supportive community generally yeah um i think the other thing you can do is um you know look to put your work up on drive through because i know for a fact that free league um through the free league workshop like to use that as a way of talent spotting and mm-hmm. so you know if there are if there's work on there that particularly catches their eye then it's quite possible that they might approach freelancers and writers on there to do stuff um for them officially uh, so it's uh, it's a good place to showcase your work. You will get a little bit of money for it. You won't be able to retire on it, um, but uh, it's a good way of of showcasing your work and showcasing uh, the support you get. So if you get you know a lot of a lot of purchases, you know you can reflect that if you're speaking to a company you want to work for and say, "Here's some of my work. It's made this number of sales on drive through." Um, what do you think? It's all good. It's all good evidence to support your application or your your pitch. And, and of course, as I think there's um, a drive through, it can be a little bit intimidating. It's really easy to sign up for any of the, particularly for the um, the sort of community content programs. Uh, 
so it's easy to get your work up there, but actually formatting your work, you know, lots of people, you don't know how to use um, InDesign, for example. Nope. And uh, that, that sort of software can be really off-putting. But actually, a lot of the companies produce Word templates and you made the mirror and chain out of Word. And yeah, you know, you had to wrestle a bit with Word because it isn't the greatest desktop publishing program in the world. It's not a desktop publishing program. No. But you produced a really nice document there. And you with, know, you're with, no with artist, your help, but you produced... You with your help to help yeah, with the yeah, formatting. that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, I was just being smug about that, but, you know, silently smug. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I dug you out of quite a big hole there. Credit, credit, anyway. where, credit where credit's due, because I didn't know how to fix it, and you did. And so you helped me fix <laughs> it, which is important, because otherwise it would have looked much more shit than it does. <laughs> so uh, type, type neatly. Don't make all the typos that I make, because I make a lot of typos. Yeah, so, proofread. You know, really, proofread, really proofread is really important. But art as well, you know, you did a marvellous job there of sourcing uh, images. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, most of us aren't great artists. And I spent mm. four years in college and I can't draw. And I learned, <laughs> I spent four years learning how to draw. So, um, so you know, art could be one of the big off-putting things. How does my thing look as beautiful as the stuff that's being produced by Free League? Yeah. There are lots of sources of... Uh, I mean, it's careful. Don't steal art. No, but there's absolutely. lots of sources where people give art away for free on places like Unsplash or um, Pixabay, Pixabay and things like yeah. that. So and, I've, I've, uh, got, I've got quite a lot of my work, artwork off Pixabay, and for for most of that, they don't even require attribution. Um, mm -hmm. Although I did attribute Pixabay as a site, there was other stuff that I used for for the mirror and chain for all the planets. <clears throat> all the planet imagery uh that was a mixture of pixabay images and a website that again allowed you to use their planet creator as long as you as long as you attributed the website which i did and it's great so it's all free i mean it, that took quite a bit of time and effort but it, it was easy and some of those planet images i'm really pleased with i think some of them are really cool and i love a good planet thumbnail you know you can't you know it might make me quite sad but i do love that kind of image uh, and they were very easy to produce with a little bit of sort of searching online to find the right resource to do it. So it's not that hard. No, it is not. So just have a bit of confidence, put some stuff up there and, uh, you know, and drop us a line. If you put stuff up on the Free League Workshop, drop us a line about it and uh, we may well feature it on our next uh, dive into the, um, yeah. into the Free League Workshop contents. Absolutely. Unless you're Frank Graff, of course, we're... Uh, I, I'm never going to mention any of the work that he produces. <laughs> What's, what, what, what has Frank done to annoy you then, Matt? No, 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 no nothing. <laughs> nothing. Uh, it's just that I, I, I felt our last deep dive, I should have mentioned, we should have mentioned, had at least one from Frank's work. And he was a little bit sad on the Discord. So now I'm just rubbing it in a bit more. <laughs> just for your benefit, Frank. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> We, we ought to, as I said, we ought to stop you using see, this you, to You said earlier in the programme we shouldn't be so cruel to Andy. And, you know, so I thought, well, OK, let's be cruel to Frank and Andy. And it evens it out, doesn't it? Does it? Mm. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. OK. But, yeah, look up, look up Frank's work on the workshop because it's, it's brilliant. Uh, and, uh, you know, buy it. Yes, and just actually, yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes, but Frank yeah. has produced translations of previously unavailable Swedish adventures uh, and for other Coriolis. content, Dash Room, yeah. which is kind of a setting book for um, for Coriolis. So there's some lovely work there from yeah. Frank. 
um, that uh, sadly we can't mention on this program. <laughs> Too late. Too late. Yes. Um, is that is that all all, all our um, uh, ego boosting advice? <laughs> That's probably enough for now. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, shall we get on to destroying each other's egos by criticizing each other's work? Let's do that. Yes. Um, we yeah. have each written an essay on the same subject, uh, which is a first for this program. It is. And it's not a dreadful mistake. It's actually what we intended to do. And the subject is, how would we change the experience questions that you ask when you're running an alien in campaign mode? Yes. Um, who wants to go first, you or me? Um, as, as the phrase has it, um, shit before the shovel, do you want to go first? All right. Okay. <laughs> that isn't the sort of argument I was hoping to have it, but uh, but we'll do it that order. So, but what I'll say is we'll go straight from one recording into the next, and then we will discuss. That's uh, a good idea. Yeah. Them, shall we? Cool. So first of all, it's me, and then it's Dave. On what sort of questions should an alien RPG GM be asking to award experience points in campaign mode? First of all. Let me tell you about two big differences I have found between campaign play and cinematic adventures. Really, there is a whole other discussion to be had about personal agendas in campaign play. I love, love, love them in cinematic adventures. I love the way they give the player insight into the motivation of a pick-up and likely throw-away character. I love how they drive the adventure forward, changing with each act. And I love how they encourage conflict within the team, but not in a way that the team becomes dysfunctional. Well, not too dysfunctional. But do personal agendas really work in campaign mode? Of course, player characters will have personal agendas, especially as the campaign progresses. Enemies will be made, ambitions identified, etc. But can they be formalised? Can they be gamified in the way they are in cinematic mode to reward players with experience points and story points. I think it's more difficult than it at first seems. But we're not talking about agendas, we're talking about experience points. And my point is, I want to replace the personal agenda question. Another question I want to replace is, did you earn any money? I mean, talk about capitalist oppression, man! I get that the first film, at least, was about the working man trying to get by without being stuffed by the company. But there are other, more progressive politics out there. And in our campaign, at least, I'm a good UPP cop. He gives according to his ability and he receives only according to his needs. Cashy money is just not a motivator. Now, I'm not adverse to a little bit of corruption in my communist utopia, of course. Inspector Shu is, but that's his personal agenda. I just want it to be about something more than money, something more 
universal. Maybe about getting life's little luxuries. In fact, this might be an alternative to a character agenda. The word I'm thinking of is hustle. Money could be your hustle, of course, but so might a decent cup of coffee. Perhaps you're selling drugs or growing them or even growing something like chilies to spice up your space food. Most of the rest of the questions I don't have a problem with, but I do think there is an interesting dynamic happening in our campaign with our buddies and rivals. Once again, the buddy and rival mechanic works well in cinematic adventures because they're good for getting a handle on a character you've just picked up and will soon lose. I was very happy to select my buddy and rival when I created my character, but as the campaign progresses, I'm finding that my attitudes have changed. For example, I thought Shu would have political rivalry with his boss, the Commissar. But in play, I have discovered that he is not Shu's rival at all. Yes, he is incompetent. Yes, Shu could do his job better than him but he is so easily manipulated and functions as a useful buffer, someone who can take the political hits while Shu does the real work under his cover. Similarly, I recently changed my buddy. When I created my character, I imagined myself spending time with Oscar, Frank's agrarian character, helping him hydroponically grow the chilies I crave to uh, spice up my space food. But while Frank is a lovely player, his character seems to have taken against Shu, who is, I admit, not easy to love. And Shu has decided that Paul's character is a true hero of the revolution. I want an XP question that reflects relationships changing during the course of a campaign. Anyhow, This is my alternative list of questions. 1. Did you participate in the session? You get 1 XP just for being there. 2. Did you contribute to the development of the colony? 3. Did you discover something new about your buddy or rival? 4. Did you make a panic roll? 5. Did you overcome a dangerous event using violent or non-violent means? 6. Did you make a significant discovery or revelation? Note here, I thought about changing this to something about progressing the campaign goals, but in the end decided that the existing wording was good enough. 7. Did you do something extraordinary? Again, I don't like the word action in the version of that that's in the core book. It only suggests sort of physical actions and you might do something extraordinary diplomatically or emotionally. And finally, number eight, did you progress your hustle? So here is my take on possible XP questions specifically for an alien campaign game. Number one. Did you contribute to the session? By this I mean, did you actively participate, get involved and play your part in the story? No more free XP for just bleeding turning up. 2. 
Did you succeed at the goals you and or your group were trying to achieve? Or did you have a damn good try even if you failed? 3. Did you risk something or sacrifice something for someone else? Now this isn't specifically for your PC buddy, but anyone. If it was your buddy, or for that matter your rival, or leads you to change either or both of these as a result of the actions, the GM may choose to award you with a story point. Did you risk or sacrifice something to screw things up, or be actively hostile towards your rival? Did you resolve a campaign plot, or uncover a key clue to the metaplot of the campaign? 6. Did you learn something significant about your PC's character, their personal history, or someone who is important to them in some way, either positively or negatively? If this is a really significant change, the GM may award you with a story point. Did you do something to actively pursue your personal agenda? And the last question, question eight, did you do something truly heroic? So there are a couple of footnotes that are worth mentioning. In a campaign, the buddy-rival dynamic is of a different nature to that of cinematic. Players tend to bide their time and buddy-rival relationships can easily slip into the background. This is particularly exacerbated in a West Marches-style campaign, where a player's buddy or rival might not even be at the table for that scenario. There's no reason for this that I can see, other than a campaign is different to the short, sharp shock of a cinematic game, where there is no tomorrow for your character. Us GMs should really try to encourage this dynamic, and a bonus XP for thinking about them in a role-playing sense might be just enough. I'd want my players to be trying to screw over or get one up on their rivals, even when that rival is nowhere to be seen. Personal agendas. Again, these are different beasts in a campaign game than those in a cinematic. For a campaign, players should be allowed to create their own, and they should be more akin to a big dream, a big strategic hope or objective, rather than the more focused and tactical personal agendas of the cinematic game. So as you can see, I've gone for eight questions. The first two should be easy bankers, two points of XP per game as a minimum. The next five are points you'd earn sometimes, but you'd be unlikely to earn all five in any one normal scenario. The eighth question is unlikely to be common at all, as being heroic will quickly end up in you being dead. So I think these questions will routinely offer somewhere between three and five, with maybe six being quite rare. So that's my take. What do you think? So the first thing I noticed there, Dave, is um, the core book has got nine questions. And when I was writing mine, I ended up with eight. And uh, I was a bit worried by that. And I thought, oh, maybe there should be a ninth one here. And what should it be? <laughs> but then I noticed you've ended up with eight as well. Yeah, I mean, interesting. I mean, I, I didn't really look to mirror what was in the book. Um, I just kind of wrote what I thought was useful and, and, and sensible. But yeah, interesting that we both landed on eight. And also there's another kind of reason why I landed on eight, which is kind of about the number of XP you might get in a, in a, each session. But I can talk a bit more about that later on. Um, kind of once. Mm -hmm. 
So basically, you think getting nine XP uh, is too well, many? Yes, yes, I do. Um, for one session, I am. Um, I think also, uh, you know, eight is probably too many. But so let's go through the questions because I think some of my questions, you're you're not going to be earning an XP every single episode for, um, for all those questions. No, no. I don't think I, I think you're right. Um, now, but before we go, we'll start the questions. We'll work our way down. But um, beforehand, I noticed that in our in our textual bit, we both have similar yeah, uh, thoughts about the buddy and personal agendas dynamic. as well. I think we both have, have um, we both pulled out personal agendas as something that doesn't work so well. Yes, and similar thoughts about that about that not quite working in the campaign way in the way it does in the cinematic. Hmm. But I'm sure these will come up as we go through the questions. So first of all, uh, I had I just kept the old text, but you didn't. For your first question, you said, did you contribute to the session? <laughs> By this, I mean, did you actively participate, you bastard? Get involved and play your part in the story. Yes. No more free experience exactly. just for bleeding turning up. I think, I think probably when we get to the final version of that, we need to... Um, Yes. No, I didn't say that, did I, in in my piece? Um so yeah, I always thought just getting a free XP for being at the table. Um Well, the you know, the reality the practical reality of it is that someone doesn't just turn up and go, Oh, I'll get one XP, but I can sit here on my phone all day. Um But I thought, yeah, let's make it a bit more. You know, you you're at the table, you've got to contribute, you've got to add something to the to the narrative that's being built and the atmosphere, you're you know you're 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 playing your part, and I think just by being there and contributing to the game, then that's worthy of an XP. Uh, I I kind of felt well, if somebody's that disinterested in the game, you don't invite them for the next session. So I'm happy to give them the XP. Yes, yeah, but I think but, um, I think there are complaints though for some GMs um, that you know they they're around the table and you know their their players are on their phones or something, and I think you know that's. And so, some games get to the point where they, they ban phones at the table, which is fine. I think that's a good idea. Now, in my group, um, you know, phones are at the table. You get the odd text or something, but, you know, people aren't on them the whole time. Yeah, know, yeah. Which is fine. I don't mind that. Okay. So I can, yeah, I can live with your wording there. Um, yeah. Now, but we do have a bit of a disagreement on our second question. I said, did you contribute to the development of the colony? Mm. And obviously, this is for colony campaigns. If it would be different in a space tracker campaign, yeah. So I think I mean I, uh, I I deliberately didn't cast a question that way, um, on the grounds that the uh, yeah, if you did have a question like that in your list, that is kind of a value judgment about what the players should be doing in the game. So you might have players who are at a colony but don't give two hoots about the colony. And actually, then they're not going to be doing anything to actively support it, potentially. And you're then denying them access to one of your seven, eight, nine XP options. So I thought that's probably doesn't really, didn't really work for me in that, you know, you, you don't want to be telling the players what kind of attitude they've got to take towards the colony or whatever else it is that falls under no, that No, you're question. right. If you're, if, you're, if you're playing a saboteur... Uh, or Doctor Smith to uh, to go right back to Lost in Space 
um, <laughs> references, then then maybe you're not contributing to it, and you shouldn't be no. punished for being the bad guy. No, precisely. So my so my okay. So, so your wording there is uh, kind of fits a bit better because that kind of says, "Did you succeed at the goals you and or the group were trying to achieve?" So generally, colony goals could be ones could be included in, in that. If your yeah. personal goal is make sure the group aren't doing their thing, but I did. Then, I did um, finish that though. Or did you have a damn good try? Because I don't want to penalise somebody who's perhaps done the best role playing ever. They had a fabulous plan, and then the roll of the dice let them down at the last minute. Therefore, they don't get an XP. Yeah. If you have a damn good go at it, or you... even you were outnumbered as Jonathan's character was last in our night, game yesterday. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I think I think you we know, did have competing agendas in that one. And yes. arguably, uh, as good UPP people, three of us were trying to contribute to the development of the colony. And one of them, um, uh, Ash, uh, was trying to steal the data that we all needed, probably. Well, I think he was trying At to least we were make sure it. that you didn't wipe it, thinking there might be some weird UPP stuff going on here. I think it was what he was really mm -hmm. after. But yes, yeah, so I think you know, ah, we... Right. we that, that, that would have played out differently if our fifth player, Will, had been there. And Will, hope you're okay, mate. Um, obviously, you didn't make it to the game yesterday. Hope things are, are good with you. Uh, but if he'd had his other LaSalle uh, backup with him, then three against two might have changed the dynamic a little bit. Um, yeah. But I thought John, so would you John, say, then, John that really if you're well, though, John, asking this question for yesterday's session, we would all get an XP for that? Uh, yeah, most certainly, for sure. Yep. But if Will had been there and he and John had successfully stolen the hard disk and left us bereft, then only he and Will would have got the XP. Well, I think it would have depended on how hard you tried to, to get it yourselves yeah. um, and how hard you tried to stop them running off with it, I guess. So bear in mind, I was being captured by a strange crab at the time. You were. So I, I think um, <laughs> if it had panned out differently, the very fact that you were... The three, the three UPP players were trying to get to the control center to get the computer core. And the fact that Frank made a beeline for that and was clearly focused on getting it before the LaSalle guy did, I think everybody would have still got an XP there for trying. Yeah. Trying to gotcha. complete the objectives okay. of the mission. You're such a generous GM. I, I am, I am. I love playing with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Um, so then, uh, my third question, uh, well, and this this is the buddy. This brings this us to the, the buddy, buddy rival question. question, doesn't it? Yeah. And um, so we've taken two very distinct approaches here. You say, did you risk or sacrifice something for someone else? So broadening out from buddy and rival. Yeah. So I, I and um, so I've always felt that <clears throat> I've always felt that the question in the in the book, uh, you know, did you sacrifice something for your buddy? I think that makes sense in a cinematic uh, uh, setup because you know, you're, you you might take more risks in that in that kind of thing for a uh, for a campaign setup. I think it, it's it's fine, but actually, I think there's there, you know, what what if you sacrifice or risk something for somebody you don't know? You know, actually, that might be more yes. laudable and more worthy of reward than risking. Or sacrificing something for somebody who you expect will do the same back for you. So I thought it was a bit un yes. unfair to restrict the XP um, in that way, which is why I thought I'd broaden that one out. So if you did risk or sacrifice something to help anyone, then you are worthy of that XP. 
I think also there's a question about rivals and buddies, which um, you know, if if that, you know, if if doing something in that sense also led you to change your rival or your buddy or both in any in any occasion, then that feels quite like that feels like quite a big narrative important moment, and so I then suggested that perhaps the GM might want to consider awarding a story point to the player in that situation as well as an additional yeah additional I, bonus. I like that idea. Um, I, I, would, I would like change. I would like their, to say that buddy. I would so just to say I would like to say and I'm 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 giving you credit here. Um, that idea was born out of a conversation that you and I had. I think uh, I don't know last week or whenever when you were saying, "Hmm, why not? Why not award them story points?" So I thought, actually, that's mm. a, that's a that's a good idea. So I'll, I'll 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 apply that to these XP questions. Cool. Now that is that is interesting because um, again, we both have uh, issues with the way that um, personal agendas work, where you can get up to three story points in an adventure, in a cinematic adventure, and I feel it's more difficult to get story points. I'm not. I'm not saying oh, I'm not got enough story points out of my personal agenda, but I think personal agendas are performing a different function in this game, and yeah. maybe they're not. That function isn't necessarily about giving you story points well, but it well, would be nice to have some yeah I think. well let's come back to personal agendas um because i think let's finish yeah. off buddies and rivals so i think it, it for me as a gm of a west marches alien campaign the buddy rival thing uh is uh it, you know as i say in the piece it, it, it kind of falls into the background quite a lot it, it, it's not really being played up and i think part of that is uh, maybe I, I guess player player preference or they they don't feel the urgency that you would have in a cinematic to do something around their buddy or their rival but also in a west no. in a west marches game quite often your buddy or your rival or both not are not playing with you th- at the same time <laughs> now i would very much like to yeah. encourage players or or help gms encourage players to continue to think about what they can do to help or hinder their buddies and their rivals even if they're not in the same scenario so i think you'd want to encourage a player who say you know, his rival might be, I don't know, going off to do something and, you know, just wants to screw them up a bit. So they might let down the air in the tyres of their dipper or something, you know. But they should be allowed to do that when the rival is not on stage with them, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. Yes. So that's kind of like the point uh, that I was making. So uh, first of all, let's let's say that West March's campaign is different from what might be a campaign of uh, an alien colony campaign around the table with the same five players every time. Yeah. But also, um, you know, I have, I've worked really hard on my buddies and rivals because that's kind of what my character is all about. He's a people person rather than a shooty person. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I, I've, I've, I've just said in the bit that we uh, listened to earlier on uh, how my buddies and rivals have changed. But one of the interesting things is what you say there about I don't feel at all threatened by my rival. And I know that um, uh, Tan Blatchman, Commissar Blatchman, has me down as his rival as well. Yeah. And I've, I, yeah, I, he's still my rival on my listing, but, you know, I don't think Shu thinks of him as a rival anymore because... He's a bit of a pushover. Mm-hmm. He's a bit ineffectual. And also he provides decent cover for hard decisions, like when you have to starve the colonists of oxygen to make them, you know, <laughs> go down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
you know, so uh, I'm not getting the blame or the glory for that one, but that's not the sort of glory I need. Um, so, so I'm I'm playing Blatchman uh, like a trumpet, frankly, and uh, he <laughs> he should be plotting. If if I am truly his rival, he should be realise he's he's being played like um like John did, and should try plotting against me. But I, as far as I'm aware, and maybe you know secrets that I don't. But he hasn't done any of that, even in games that I've been working with him or even games where he's on his own. Let's hope he doesn't listen to the podcast because um, <laughs> that might change now. Maybe, yeah, he'll change but, his um, so, so I think that's my point about the in the, in the campaign that we've been running, the, the, the whole dynamic of buddies and rivals. I think, you know, with you as the notable exception, has kind of fallen into the background mm. very much and it hasn't been an important part of the game for most players. Um, yeah, and I think we could do more to, to to encourage it. Yes, well, I'm doing my best as one player. I'm doing yeah, the best absolutely. I can. Yeah, yeah. But this is why I had a question about: Did you discover something new about your buddy arrival? Because I, I think I have my my relationship with these people have developed, and in a sort of part of a campaign like this, feels a bit like it should be. It should feel a bit like a soap opera, and that relationship should be changing. Uh, yes. as the campaign progresses. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I had that one. But I could go with yours as well. So I think, so I, I did also add the, did you, as a, as a specific question in its own right, did you risk something to screw up your rival? To try and encourage people yes. to take their rivals seriously. Um, yes. But also on that other point, I think my, my, my question that kind of covers some of that area you were talking about is the one that says, did you learn something significant about your PC's character personal history or someone who is important to, to them. And, uh, and again, I think that's, yes. that's something that might drive a change of buddy or rival. Uh, and, and also it might be worth a story point if it's a interesting enough narrative yeah. twist or a narrative. No, I think that's angle. a useful, uh, useful thing to think that that might be worth a story point. Yeah. Uh, but by, by get, having that, uh, did you risk or sacrifice something to screw things up for your rival? You lose out one of my favourite questions from the core rules, which I've kept in there. But I just want to sense check this with you. I said, "Did you make a panic roll?" Um, yeah. So I, I did. and I was thinking about last night where a couple of us made a panic roll. It wasn't a major panic. We didn't start spraying the room with bullets or anything. We we both got the shivers, but um, and so in itself, that little panic isn't a necessarily an experience-earning thing, but it's symbolic of the fact that we were being attacked by giant crabs, man. <laughs> I was in the death grip of its pincers. You were. You were. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, I, yeah. Uh, so I quite like the panic roll thing so for I, this game. Yeah. So you I, know, and, it, and it's a nice reward for something that's actually kind of then out of your hands when you have to take an action through a panic that is not necessarily the action that you, the player, wanted to take. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good point, actually, because also when you roll a panic in the game, it's a, yeah, it's a oh, oh, hell moment. It's not mm. It's not like, oh, great, I'm going to get an XP. Um, no. But so so, so I, I, I'm, I didn't include it on my list, obviously. I'm a bit agnostic, I think. Um, it could easily go either way. I've, got, I've not... I, I guess you know I didn't I didn't not include it because I thought it was a really bad question to have. I think I just mm. thought that eight questions was probably enough. Um, and I think we can come back to that again at the end. I mentioned earlier about sort of 
the way I crafted my questions. The number of questions, yeah. number of points you might get. So we can come back to that question at the end. Um, okay, so your question five and mine is pretty similar. Your question five is, did you resolve a campaign plot line or uncover a clue to the meta plot of the campaign? Yeah. And mine is um, actually not that, but it's kind of my question six is something similar, which is, did you make a significant... Uh, well, I should say is actually one that I left in the core book rules, which are, did you make a significant study or revelation? I did think about changing it to something more like your question five, though, but in the end decided against it. Yeah, I think for me, that question is probably wrapped up in my question six about did you learn something significant? Mm. Um, and that could probably be quite broad. It doesn't necessarily have to be about somebody. It could be about your history or an event yeah. or, or something else. Um, yeah, so I, so I guess I wanted to reward people for progressing the plot, I guess, uh, of, the, mm. of, the, of the campaign. I mean, interestingly enough, in Alien the Colony... Uh, you are kind of getting into the the more meta plot now that you've uncovered in the last couple of scenarios that United America's interest in the planet. Um, hmm. But prior to that, you probably wouldn't have earned a question. You wouldn't you wouldn't have earned a point from that question in pretty much any of the previous uh, previous episodes. No, um, which is probably fine actually. Um, but for campaign play, it's probably worth having something in there that rewards trying to progress the campaign i guess hmm. okay um come back to my question five uh did you make did you overcome a dangerous event using violent or non-violent means again it's core book stuff yeah i liked it but it's a bit of an in a way it's a bit of a non-question it doesn't yeah, because, again, it's one of those that's almost certainly going to give you an XP. Yeah. Because if your character is still alive at the end of an adventure, it's probable you'll have come across some danger somewhere. Yes. Um, and again... And if, if running away is a non-violent means of overcoming the event, then, then yeah. definitely you're going to get your XP. Yeah, exactly. Way. Yeah. Um, um, I, 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 like, I like the fact that it... it it calls out non-violence as well as violence um, because, you know, the answer to every question isn't to pull out your gun and shoot it. Uh, yeah. I might, um, I might be willing to scrap that one. Uh, I'm willing to scrap that. You're the GM, Dave. You get to make the final list of questions. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm just saying this, but I tell you what, I think I could scrap that one in favor of my question seven which is a broader question than your equivalent, which is, did you do something extraordinary? Yeah. I, I got rid of, did you take an extraordinary action? Because I don't think it should necessarily be either. Uh, for a start, action implies a physical action as opposed to a, a bit of extraordinary diplomacy or something you might have done there. Yeah. And also, I don't necessarily feel it needs to require an amazing dice roll. Um, no, absolutely you know, not. The, no. the amazing dice roll is reward in itself. Getting XP for oh look look at me I've got six successes or whatever hmm. yeah uh, yeah so I, I can, whereas yeah um, so carry on Dave no so so, yeah, so my 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 parallel to that one is the, did you do something truly heroic <clears throat> and mm. I think my 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 intention behind that I think I was kind of thinking about you know, a situation where 
as a player, you put your character in a position where you fully expect the outcome to be terrible in order to achieve something else. So maybe you put mm. yourself you know, in, in a situation where you think you're going to die in order to achieve something else. So that's where I sort of came from for truly heroic. I think, yeah, I, I guess the example I had in my mind was the Coriolis game um, we, that we've been running in playing Oshian and Yakub when we were under, mm. under the water on the moon and the, the effects of the creatures or the people we were dealing with um, led me to project my kind of disappointment and disdain at Yakub. And as a result of that, he took his helmet off. Uh, mm-hmm. And so he was going to die. And I then, when I came out of that trance, I then immediately gave him my air supply instead, fully expecting as a player yeah. that that might end very, very badly for Oshian. But that is what Oshian was going to do in that moment. Um, because he, was, okay. he wasn't going to let Yakub die for something that was Oshian's fault. Yeah. Um, so that deserves that deserves an experience point, in my opinion. I'm sure I gave you one. For, um, <laughs> I'm not so sure. About you that. might beg to differ, uh, <clears throat> but uh, but interestingly, that then puts a moral judgment on uh, on the world. Uh, you talked about yes, uh, yes, earlier on. You know, what if you're a saboteur trying to destroy the colony? What if uh, you're not? You don't do something uh, heroic, but you do extraordinarily murder somebody to further. Yeah, your agenda. Um, yeah, I do agree. Do not get this XP for that. No, I, I think we could. I think I would be happy with something that says, "Did you do something truly extraordinary?" Because I think to, yeah. to earn this point, it's got to be the bar's got to be really high. But I think you're absolutely right. It shouldn't. It shouldn't discount uh, other actions. It shouldn't discount stuff that might be morally questionable, even though it's extraordinary for your character to have done that or to have tried it. It shouldn't discount doing something like walking into a mob of angry people who are baying for your blood or the blood of somebody else to try and talk them down. It shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't discount those kind of, those kind of things. No. It shouldn't just yeah. be about stepping in front of the gunfire to save somebody. Yeah. So I think making that truly extraordinary would work very well. Rather than heroic. Heroic's got too much. Um, yes, I agree. On the word. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah. That was your last question, but you preceded that with, did you do something to actively pursue your personal agenda? Now, yes. I have a feeling about personal agenda, and I think you have a question about what I have replaced it with. Um, yes, yeah, so I think personal agendas, they work so well in cinematic play to drive character character behaviour, which is great. In, uh, in in a campaign play, I've, I've found that the personal agendas... Uh, that, you know, they're, they're actually more like big dreams. They should be a more strategic objective. So your personal agenda mm. becomes your personal objective or your life objective or your big dream. You know, I want to... As we have it in Tales of the Old West. Yeah, exactly. It should be something that's yeah. it's kind of, what's the direction of your life? What are you working for? Um, and the personal agendas, a la Alien, as they are, in cinematic play don't serve that terribly well um they work brilliantly for no cinematic i mean i think play, they do do a really good job of moving the adventure forward absolutely uh, act by act yeah um but but yeah I, I don't think so um so one of the things that came out of my thinking and this is very early thoughts was that you may well have a big dream or you may well have a group objective and uh you know i i am my character in the colony campaign for example wants to uh, 
rid the world of corruption. That's his big dream. And, you know, I work very hard towards that, um, while being pragmatic about it and admitting that sometimes a hero of the revolution has to stay in his job, even if he did bully everybody else. Um, <laughs> but I will get him. One day I will get him. I just need I need to trap him somehow. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, I, I, I also thought that there's smaller things and... Um, if I could use a different medium for a moment and just paint you a picture of an 80s or 90s episode of Star Trek from any of those three, uh, you know, Next Gen, yeah. Space Nine, even Voyager, for fuck's sake. Um, sorry, Voyager fans. Uh, even the lovely Voyager with Captain Janeway. As a digression, um, I did think when I was going through all of the Star Trek episodes, um, that Voyager was going to really be up my street because some of the episodes I'd seen kind of independently, I'd really enjoyed. And I got through the first season and I didn't really carry on. It didn't grab me. <laughs> it didn't grab me in the way I was hoping it would, actually. I will watch it all eventually at one point if I don't die before I get there. I think some but, of the later seasons are actually better than the first. The first yeah. killed it for me. Um, I, I really didn't like the first. But um, anyway, yeah. So, but in all those, you know how it works. There is a big plot. There is a thing to solve. Um, but then there's also a B-plot, and the B-plots are kind of sometimes intensely personal and intimate. Yeah. You know, they might be about Data's relationship with his cat, or um, they're very often about one character's relationship with his father. But, you know, let's let's forgive the script writers trying to work out their own issues uh, through the medium of Star Trek. <laughs> um but, you know, so so this is what I call the hustle. And it's a word that I'm not sure is the right word. But for me, so I think my personal agenda says something. I should look it up. Give me a moment. Give me a moment. I'm just going to call it up on the PDF. Okay. Um, well, whilst you're doing that, I, I say, you know, when I, when, I, when I heard your piece, I have to say I, I, I wasn't really clear what you were meaning by hustle. And I'm not sure in this context that it's the right word to use. So I, I think anyway, it, I, it may not be the right word. I think it, I, only, I, think I was it carries, thinking about it as I write this article. I haven't yeah. thought it through. So I think, but, it, I think um, it carries too so many, too many other meanings that leap to mind if you say hustle about scamming and about you know being a bit of a a shill or uh, yeah. Okay. Well, they may they may be from where from where I was thinking at the time, but. So my personal agenda, as on the catch at the moment, is cutting corruption out of the system is like cooking a good meal hard work but satisfying <laughs> which yeah. was trying to get sort of two aspects uh, one of which is uh, i feel um uh, shu gang seriously does want to cut corruption out of the upp uh, everything would work so much better you know he's a loyal progressive but hmm. you know the people that spoil it are often high cadre people um being corrupt Sending us out to La Salle and things like that. Anyway, so that's my thing. But also, I wanted to have a bit of a character study there, and it touches on my relationship with uh, Oscar. I, I rather, when I created this character, I thought, oh, and there'll be little scenes of me desperately um, working with with Oscar to try and grow <coughs> a chili pepper, and you know that's going to be the you know that's going to be a real achievement when I finally get a chili pepper going and I can slice it up and add it to my space food to spice it up. <laughs> um, and in a way, those two things, one of those is my big dream style personal agenda, the big thing. Yeah. I am anti-corruption. But the other one is a sort of B-plot thing, which, to be fair, we haven't had much time for in these episodes because, no. you know, we are trying to do a thing. 
But if if we had a bit more space, then there might be little personal, intimate, small goals that I might have. Do you remember my character um, Bobby Rashid from uh, oh, your yeah. Firefly campaign? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, Serenity in in those days yes, was, uh, yeah. campaign, and you know he was always on the lookout for a decent cup of coffee. <laughs> it could yeah. be as simple as that. That that was yeah. his hustle, and it's not necessarily. You're right. Hustle implies too much, and it comes out of me saying as I was writing this piece, that us, us communists aren't interested in money, but we may well be interested in black market goods or something like that. Mm. And particularly thinking about Blatchman and the councillor's name, Mayer, is it? Yeah, yep, Dr. Mayer. And the two of them, they've, they've, they have got a hustle going. They're selling drugs to the rest of the colonists, um, which is truly a hustle. So it's those examples I yeah. was plucking out of my head that was making me call it a hustle. But there may be a better word for it. But a small little moment of satisfaction mm. yeah. is what i'm looking for i like uh, yeah i like that i think that's good um it, interestingly in our in our tales of the old west playtests that we had this week um just about the whole scenario the whole session was about these hustle well, not hustles but this kind of b plot and one of them was about me to conv- convincing connor um that his character should honour the, the, the deal we made when he was in prison and I was buttering up the judge to get him off his murder charge, um, that he would then make me a couple of brilliant guns because he's a gunsmith, uh, which he did in the end. And the other one, the other sort of B-plot, was all about Ali's idea to have a three-town poker tournament. Um, and we were progressing that tournament. Um, and not much else happened. Uh, in the in the in the session, but it was great. It was brilliant, and but it was based on these two two things. I think also there's another thing for me as a GM in a West Marches campaign like the one that we're running. I've said a number of times I need the players to lean forward and tell me what they actually want to do, what they want to achieve, and mm-hmm. I haven't had a, a flood of responses. But this kind of thing is exactly the kind of thing that I could then build you know, a small scenario around. Um, yeah. So actually for the GM, this is a really good thing, but also for the players, I think you're right. It gives that little bit of personal color um, and an objective that isn't a meta plot objective um, that, that you say that you get a small amount of satisfaction if you achieve something following going for that objective. Yeah. Um, quite what we call it. I'm not sure. You know, is it, is it, is it about something like yeah, what what's what what's going to make me happy or something, or what what do I need in my day to day life? I think this is a thing that we need to spend a bit more time on. Yeah, but I think we've got a seed of an idea here, um, and I'm sure we can come up with something. Yeah, whereas and then write <clears throat> it into your text. Yeah, whereas um, whereas your your personal agenda then becomes the bigger thing. That's your life goal. That's what yes. you want to get out of life. And what you're working towards, but it's going to take a long yeah, time to get there. It may it may be shorter than life goal. It might be, um, yeah. You know, I just want to get off this rock, or it might be, I want to build a great colony here, or it might be something even like, I want to have the unit three uh, B uh, accommodation block built by next rainy season or whatever. They, 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 that could. That, but those are yeah, generally bigger and they're yes. more longer term. Uh, yeah. Longer term. Yeah. 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 I, I accept that. That makes sense. Yeah. Although yeah. growing that chili is taking me bloody ages. I can tell you that. Yeah. 
you, you haven't once done a chili growing seed in this campaign. And frankly, I'm disappointed, Dave. Well, I've got my first 10 minutes of the next episode then that you're involved with. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, as long as Oscar's there as well. Uh, anyway, um, so you raised a point in this discussion about how many points should be awarded in the campaign. Yeah, so so my eight questions um, were kind of deliberately cast in a certain way. So the first two are pretty much bankers. You're, you ought to be getting yep. those two XP. So a minimum of two XP for turning up and taking part and having a go at trying to achieve the objectives of the, of the scenario. The next five are ones that are going to be attainable, but you're not going to get all of them every time. So you'll get a, a, a subset of those depending on what happens in the scenario. And then the last one, the heroic action one or the extra extraordinary, um, whatever we call it in the end, uh, something that's truly extraordinary, that's going to be pretty rare. That's not going to happen very often. It will have to be something truly extraordinary to get that point. So on that basis, per scenario, you're going to be looking at maybe four or five XP on average. Now I'm finding um, with Alien the Colony, where we play for two and a half hours, five XP feels quite a lot for two and a half hours play. Um so it's it's a bit of it's a bit of a challenge for me to make sure that the characters don't suddenly through actually through through very little time on screen as it were suddenly getting very very powerful very quickly or getting a lot of a lot of talents or skills very quickly so i i think in, in a session that's 4 hours long then 5 xp is perfectly reasonable but for one that's two and a mm. half i feel it might be a bit much yeah, so, um, you know, I don't, when in our Coriolis campaign, uh, you'll have played six sessions before I start warding XP because I'm playing, I'm imagining yes. that we've we've sat down and done this and actually, you know, maybe six sessions is too many because that's an hour and a half. That's, nine, that's, that's nine hours uh, of play, yeah. Nine, nine hours. But actually nine hours is what we might well play an adventure in, in you know, on in a the weekend. old days. Yeah, and, absolutely, yeah. On a weekend. Um, uh, but yes, so maybe nine hours is too long before awarding XP, but I do think you're right. Two hours is maybe too short a time or two and a half hours, too short a time for, um, for getting five XP. Yeah. So I think what I'll do for Alien the Colony is I will do a, a finalized list of, of what I think I'm going to use as a result of this, this, uh, this exercise. But then I might just grey some of them out. So I think you'd get the, okay. you get the list that you would get if you were playing it normally for normal sessions. But for for us, um, I might then just grey some of them out for Alien the Colony to try and uh, you know, you know um, measure measure more effectively the the rate of XP so that player characters don't advance too quickly. I tell you what, you could do actually. Uh, your next job, uh, given we've just played an adventure, we didn't have time to do XP. You could take your list, which obviously is mostly my list. Let's be really frank, because I was better at it than you are. Um, but with one or two of your questions added in, I will, I will, I will leave. Uh, I will leave our listeners to make their judgment on that. And we all know how <laughs> insightful our listeners are, so I think they know the real situation here. <laughs> anyway, you're the GM, so you take whatever list you like. Um, but it would be interesting if you maybe then said, okay, based on this adventure we've just done, how would I ward these to different characters? 
get that in your head first, see what that looks like before opening it up to us and having that discussion. Yes. Because you don't normally have the chance to do that in play, but you've got a time there to reflect on it and go, okay, if I was awarding this at the end of a session, um, I give X, 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 tick all those boxes. Hmm, that's quite a lot of XP, actually. Is that probably yeah. deserved? And then, you know, just like we're doing with our, with our uh, fake exam results that my boy's going through for his um, stuff now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. Given you've got the opportunity to do that, and then, and then come back and say, okay, here's a list honed about how many XP I wanted to award you in the last lesson. Yeah. We have gone on for a long time. We have. And, you know, it yeah. feels like we've said some of these things twice. It does, doesn't it? But yes. Um, well done, Matthew. So I think it's time to end the episode. Definitely. Yeah, I've got lots of other shit to do before two o'clock. Um, and uh, you're not coming to COVID Cafe tonight. No, um, I won't be there tonight, unfortunately. But everyone have a great time and I'll see you next week. Okay. Um, well, and uh, I don't know what we're talking about in two weeks' time when we have another one of these episodes, but we will think of some content. We will. We will, definitely. You're, we'll, you know, we've not yet sat down and not been able to fill an hour of conversation. So, <laughs> yes. yeah. This, I don't think this will be the first time it happens in four years so yes, yes. We, we will we will think of something for next time um but i think we ought to sign off now so um unless you've got anything else you must add today matthew it's goodbye from me <laughs> and it's goodbye from him and may the icons bless your adventures you have been listening to the effect podcast Presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.